You're listening to the Evolution Exchange podcast, bringing the most inspirational leaders in the Australian tech industry together to collaborate, share stories and exchange ideas. I'm Liam McDade, co-founder of Evolution Australia, and today I'll be your host. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Evolution Exchange podcast and our seventh in the special talent acquisition series where we're going to be talking about proactive talent sourcing strategies. As ever, we have a panel of industry experts today who are ready to share their thoughts and insights with you on this topic. So let's get into the intros. Adam. Thanks, mate. Uh, Yeah, so uh, I'm Adam Crofts. I currently work at Brennan IT. I'm the uh, head of talent acquisition and staff augmentation here. I've been here for about five years. I've also been in recruitment for, let's just say, over 15 years, even though it's probably over 23 or 24 years, so it makes me sound a bit younger. Um, So, uh, yeah, learned a lot in that time. I've been in and out of agency world, so I've actually been one of the strange people that's actually gone from agency to in-house and then back to agency and then back to in-house again. Uh, Most people make the switch and don't go back, but um, I do love the uh, the selling components, so um, I do like to go back every now and then. Um, So, yeah, I've learned a lot over the journey and going back and forth has actually taught me a lot about um, candidate experience, around um, urgency, around uh, um, pipelining, all those kinds of things, which we're probably going to be talking about today. Awesome. Thanks, Adam. Welcome aboard. And uh, Matt. Hello, I'm I'm Matt Broadley. I'm the, I work at Australia Post. I manage the tech recruitment team. Um, And Liam, very kind of you to refer to me as as one of those experts. So thank you for that. Um, We look after a business unit called Customer Experience and Digital Technology. Uh, We're doing some really cool stuff in technology around AI, customer-focused applications, and designing diverse products that reflect the diverse culture of Australia Australia as well, Um, ensuring that we deliver and delight for our customers. Um, I've had about six years in recruitment. Um, I made the switch to internal uh, about three years ago and and haven't looked back uh, just yet. Um, And and similar to yourself, Adam, uh, I've come in with a understanding and appreciation of urgency and the criticality that it plays to the recruitment process. Cool. All right. Well, thanks, guys. Great to have you with us. Um, So today's topic of proactive talent sourcing strategies. So look, we we have we have a multitude of responsibilities in the in the TA and recruitment space in the in the modern employment climate, um, and particularly in the tech industry. But fundamentally, sourcing and engaging candidates and in, you know, potential employees for our businesses remains our, our primary objective. Um, despite all the you know, multitude of tools we have available to us to do this, it can still feel like a like a minefield. So, what we wanted to do today was 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 talk about some of the more effective, proactive strategies um, that can help um, deliver consistent results in that respect. So, um, <clears throat> wanted to start today with um, building a talent pipeline. Um, obviously, a fundamental part of, of of that. And Adam, this is something you're especially passionate about. So, um, let's let's start with you. So, what what's What's your approach or what approaches have you seen to building an effective talent pipeline? Yeah, look, it's probably the most crucial part that actually, and recently, you know, we've gone through this COVID and there was a whole talent shortage and having an effective pipeline through there really saved us a little bit. Uh, you know, we didn't struggle as much as a lot of organisations did because we actually had a really effective talent pipeline. Um, don't get me wrong, it's dried up uh, because, you know, we did, there's only so much you can do and it's a, it's been a tough market, but... Um, having that in place really saved it. So the key for me was to make sure that you've got both pre-qualified and um, and really culturally aligned people um, in your talent pool. So you know having a database which just happens to be sorted into categories isn't a talent pool. 
Um, that's just a database that's that's um, sorted out well. Um, what you actually need is to have the people in those talent pools that have already been pre-qualified. So we went out and did our sourcing strategies, you know, and that included, you know, a, a range of advertising, networking, LinkedIn, um, everything, all in sundry. Put the people into there once we'd spoken to them. So until we've spoken to them, we've assessed them. So in our technical talent pools, we did technical testing, we did behavioural profiling, we did phone interviews. We did all of that. So basically they're a Brennan person we know that they're a Brennan person from a cultural perspective, from a technical perspective, and they've passed those elements of the of the process, but we may not have a role for them right now. So we go in there and then we start the engagement process with them. So some people will sit in there and maybe they're not ready to move yet. You know, you talk to people on LinkedIn and they may not be ready to move. Um, and all it takes is one annoying meeting with your boss and, and, and all of a sudden I'm now ready to move. So, you know, you've got to continue to engage with those people as you go along. So, you know, you've those people that are sitting in those talent pools there then need to have that engagement and keep aware of the Brennan brand. So even though you've spoken to them and you've pre-qualified them, that's not the end of it. You really need to continue to engage with them um, and engage with them on something that they really are interested in. So for example, a service desk guy um, that we have here, and I'm in tech as obviously with Brennan IT, so a service desk guy would probably want to hear about the career development opportunities you have at Brennan, um, our certification bonuses that we have. So, you know, you get paid to do certification bonuses and you get a, a pay rise once you've completed your certification. So things like that, which are really awesome for them. So they're getting certified, there's learning and development opportunities, there's career progression. Those kinds of things are really important for a service desk guy who's starting out their career in that space. On the flip side, you know, if you're talking about a senior um, security engineer, then they probably don't mind matter as much about that. So maybe the certifications are still relevant, but probably the career development side is less important and it's more important to understand the types of tech we're working on and the types of exciting um, areas we're working in and the types of things that we've been doing with some of our customers. So you need to customise your messaging for those talent pools. So building them's one thing and, you know, and segmenting them and, and talking with them and all that kind of thing, but it's keeping them engaged over the time that makes a huge difference because that's what will then keep them engaged and know, hang on, I really need to work for these people because they do the types of things that are in, that's that I need for my career. You know, that's the kind of stuff that I want to be involved in because they're doing that kind of thing. So you're not just a another person that's contacted them out of the blue. You're somebody that's actually going to be a, a valued SME in the market that they want to be part of. Okay. Sounds good, Matt. What's what are your uh, what are your thoughts on that? Oh, I mean that sounds that sounds really awesome, Adam. Um, the ability to do that. I'm just I'm really curious to hear kind of what the intent is for you, for your recruiters. Then are they spending like 50 percent of their time doing more of the proactive recruitment based on on workforce planning or something like that? And these people that you're reaching out to, how are you reaching out to them? Is it by like bulk email or is it a phone call or a text or something? What does that look like? Yeah, so a little bit of everything, really. So we, our recruiters, uh, we have a dedicated talent pooling person. We're a little bit lucky, um, you know, and I, I liken it to sales. You know, you've got marketing and sales. You know, our salespeople are our TA people and our marketing person is our um, is our talent pooling and branding expert. So we've got that separated and that's the way that, you know, from a, trying to sell it into the business to get that, that resource, that's the way that I went about doing it. I likened it to a sales approach because you need to sell to the, to the candidates to bring them in, but you need to also market to them as well. And if you don't have your marketing, you know, if you don't have marketing in your business, you've only got sales um, as a large business, 
it doesn't work as well. You know, they, they really pair together well. So from that perspective, that's the way that we got it through the door and we've now got that role and that person is dedicated to building those talent pools. Um, so they're the ones that go out there and look, they'll reach out on LinkedIn and the approach is a little bit softer because they're not talking to them about a specific role. Um, they're saying, look, these are the kinds of things we've been doing. This is the kind of thing that might be of interest to you in the future. Would you like to have a further conversation with us? And then, so it's not a direct reach out and going, hey, haven't I got the great role for you and don't you want to be paid a lot more money? Um, like, you know, a lot of the <laughs> the things come through. So um, it's a little bit of a softer approach, but that's the way that we tend to reach out. And a lot of it is done through LinkedIn. We do have some advertising and things, and then we'll touch base with the right types of people, but most of it's done through LinkedIn and, and um, poaching sort of side of things. How do you find when you're reaching out to people with, um, you know, on a more um, passively, I guess, with, you know, things that might be coming up rather than, you know, that we, you know, we're, we're agency side. So when we're speaking to, we're speaking to candidates, we're often talking to them about, you know, a particular role with a particular client with a particular need right now or or in the very, or in the very near future. Um, obviously, we, we also still look to, you know, build our own talent pipelines and talent pools with, for things that are coming up in the future and just wanting to kind of qualify people around what their you know, longer term aspirations are, what might they be interested in the future, that type of thing from a more of a, a you know, a career coaching uh, consulting perspective um but what we tend to find particularly particularly these days um i suppose more and more in the, in the, in the modern era i suppose people are really time poor so you know if we, if i'm yes people someone takes a call from a recruiter typically they would like right what job have you got for me where is it what's it paying what's it what's it, what's it doing right and 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 then, and, and, and what we're finding is people are less um, are less likely to want to engage in a conversation if there's not some immediacy to it, because everything is immediate now. Everything's now, 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 right? You know, if you just talking to me about a job that's even two weeks away, okay, cool, call me in two weeks, we'll talk about it then. You know, so there's definitely that. How, how you know, you've obviously been quite proactive about going out and talking about future projects and future things. How have you found that from a candidate engagement perspective? Like, do you get that? Oh, okay, well, call me call me when it's ready or do you, you know is there a particular approach where you found people are, are, are probably more um more prepared to have that you know exploratory conversation yeah look, and it, it has changed you know in the last five years the market has changed significantly uh, however it, there's two two key things one is stroke the ego you know, you're the type of person that we can see working here um, and potentially even that you're the type of person that would we would um, you know love to see develop your career here, that kind of thing. So that's the kind of message. So stroking the ego is a is a big thing, um, and not putting the and look. I think a lot of the tech guys get recruiters reach out to. Like I know there's a, there's one guy in our in our business that's been reached out to. I think the most he had was about seven in a week. From seven different recruiters, he was approached, um, and I he was. I wonder if evolution. Um, <laughs> probably. <yeah. laughs> um, I know you guys are going all right at it, so maybe. Um, but look, we, um, yeah, look, he he really just um, he's shown me the mails that he gets, and they're all very generic. Hey, haven't I got a great opportunity for you? This is what's happening, and so it's just more of the same. You know, you've got to differentiate yourself. So things like, hey, I've been recommended to speak with you. Um, you know, or, you know, you look like the type of person that could be really successful. Here's an example of somebody who's had your background and then they've gone through the ranks. So somebody started in here and then they've gone and done this and they've done this. So showing a journey for the person so that they can see how that's going to benefit them. Um, it's all about the what's in it for me stuff, um, you know, the, the, the with them. It's all the same type of sales principles and marketing principles that you'd use. 
Matt has uh, so you know Australia Post different different organization in terms of you know Brennan obviously more of a you know tech consulting um uh, company as opposed to you know a, a large corporate but I imagine there are similar um, similar challenges around kind of variety of role and wanting to pipeline things for you probably get some visibility of internal projects that you need to need to pipeline pipeline out what what's what's the what's the Oz post to approach that or within your team yeah, definitely. I think to be honest, like we're we're relatively immature when it comes to to workforce planning. Like it's it's something that we're we're trying to work on at the moment um, and really become better at, so that we can proactively source people based on what's coming up. We do have a fair bit of repeat roles, and it's the stock standard. It's it's software engineers predominantly, like everyone else in technology right now. Um, and <laughs> so Java, yeah, yeah, AWS, yeah, yeah, you're in, yeah, done, sealed. Um, so we're, yeah, we're really working towards becoming more mature at that, certainly. Um, but also we're finding that by the time we come across, you know, someone that is a talented software dev, they've got five offers on the table already. Um, so it is difficult to talent pull this person unless you're playing more of a longer term game, unless the game is in one year, two years, three years, you know, our talent pools that we're creating, they're going to pay dividends by us coming back to these people um, when they're ready to make their next career move. And I guess that's that's part of the challenge as well, because we look at tenure as, as something that's important. We want to hire people that are based on um, that are working for a job that they're passionate about. And for that reason, they'll often stay at an organisation. Um, so that does add in, I guess, another challenge with with the way that that we recruit. Um, we we also don't necessarily have um, the capacity, I guess, for our technical recruitment teams to to spend part of their day talent pooling. Um, that's probably another challenge that we've got. Um, at the moment. So we're, we're more so, you know, being a little bit more reactive and, and less proactive from a recruitment perspective, um, which is something we're working through. Um, and then just on, on Adam's point as well, talking about how um, you need to become more, I guess, specific with your LinkedIn approach or your um, seek talent search approach or whatever it may be, or even off your database for these messages. I guess that's why we're seeing a lot of these, you know, strong candidates put that emoji at the start of their name. Like that's why they don't want the bulk message. They want someone that's actually taken the time to read through their background, understand what they're passionate about, understand what they're good at, what projects they've delivered. Um, and then so when we reach out to them, we're not sending out bulk messages. We're saying, hey, look, I've seen that you've delivered this type of, I don't know, particular project, which which is something that we're doing as well. Um, would love to chat to you about this opportunity. So that's that's probably, a, I guess, a little bit of a shift that we've started to make um, in our, I guess, proactive sourcing is is certainly the the bulk in mail. I feel is dead. Um, it, it has its it has its uses for sure, um, but for really difficult roles, um, it's it's not fit for purpose for us at this stage. Yeah, I think you know, there's every every agency recruiter, every internal recruiter, every talent acquisition team has, you know unlimited in-mail capability, you know, emails, we've all got databases we can, you know, we can send individualized or bulk messages out to. And I just think that, you know, if someone's active, if a candidate is is active on any of these, any of these platforms, LinkedIn's obviously the the, the, the main one of them, um, then they're getting absolutely bombarded. Bombarded yeah, with getting them. smashed. Yeah, for um, sure. And it just there's just less value to them. 
because if you, you like anything, the more the, the the easier they are to come by, the less they're worth. If every time you open your LinkedIn account, there's 15 recruiter emails in there, some internal, some external, some agency, you know, whatever, you kind of just like you just stop going in there, <laughs> unless you're actively looking for a job. In which case, you could probably get one in about in an hour, right? In the yeah. current market, um, so so th- th- these things are having less and less less and less value. There's more jobs going out. There's more recruiters. There's a bigger talent acquisition teams. There's more messages going out, but they're they're they're, they're way less, um, you know, way less way less effective. Adam, I think you and I are probably of a, of a of a similar generation based on the number of years you said you've been in the industry. You probably you got me by one, I think. But yeah, uh, I, I think you, know. you might be older than me though. Um, I'm maybe. Not sure. maybe. Yeah, maybe. I mean, you look it. You look it. Doesn't just? When we started in the industry, right? All we had was the phone. I mean, even even even, even email was new. Yeah, I remember opening open envelopes and you know CVs sent through the post and sending CVs to clients on fax machines and stuff like that, right? Oh, and, we've and had, that, sorry, we've had a really good one though. You would never have received this. We got a CV on a potato once. That's impressive. Must yeah. have a big potato if they if they had any any real experience to speak of. And it really just jumped to the top of the pile as well. Um, so just, just to hold down all the other papers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> did did you place that candidate? Uh, I'll have to look back. I'm, I don't think so. Um, in the end, but I'll, I'll have a look. And see. Look, you know what though? That's actually exactly what we were talking about before. Is you've got to do something different. Yeah. You know, to stand out in a market, like in a candidate short market, it's on us to do that. But in a candidate rich market, it's on the candidates to actually step up and do something different to be noticed. You know, um, it used to be that you had to, you had to, you know, apply and actually think about how, you know, you'd need to be going, okay, so how do I get in front of them? I'd need to make a follow-up call or I'd need to do that. It's it's very much flipped. Um, and it's exactly the same. Um, the, so that person is probably a good TA person. Um, you yeah. probably want to find that potato if it's not all mouldy and um, and go and get that person's number because they might be a good TA person. Um, so, and actually on that part of it, like it's, it's all about applying marketing principles on what you're doing. Um, and anyone in TA that um, hasn't done a marketing course, I'd highly recommend that they do even just some LinkedIn learning type things. Um, I've done four or five different things around content, around campaign management and that kind of thing. Um, And those types of things are invaluable when you start thinking about how you go and market to your candidates and how you keep um, a a really strong employment brand and how you make sure that you you balance that with your corporate brand. Um, it's really, really important to, to understand that marketing part because I think we all understand sales pretty well. Most of us have been in agency world and then gone across to TA or you've got that type of mindset. But I think the marketing part is really, really important because that's where you can start it, to set yourself aside from every other company and start to put that marketing hat on and understand that. And what I was talking about before about that targeted campaigns towards those talent pools, that's where you really get that type of next level knowledge, I think. So um, for anyone listening that's in the TA world, I would highly recommend to go and do a couple of those kinds of things. Just in, like literally an hour or two hours of your time to get the basic core fundamentals of marketing is crucial. Yeah. Totally agree. It's 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 massive, isn't it? I, I'm I'm from a marketing background as well, and I can see the application of what I learned there um, into TA. But you are you're, you're ultimately designing ads, or you're designing um, other proactive sources to attract people, and that is marketing in all in all sense of it. You're selling a brand in the end, um, and even to to EVP as well. Like that that is a marketing practice. Um, yeah. So we've we've long discussed should TA be sitting in marketing and not necessarily in PNC. 
Um, I don't think we'll ever see that happen, but it's something that we've discussed for a while. It's a, it's a valid question, right? It's 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 a huge, you know, huge part of 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 our our collective jobs. I know we all do you know, different slightly different things for slightly different organisations, but a huge part of our collective jobs is is, is marketing. I think, um, you know, I, I very much agree with what you're saying, Adam. About you know, in, in, dependent on the market forces, it's either you know uh, um, the candidates, you know, the candidate pool need to do that or. Yeah, you know, or, or or we do, and 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 in the in the current market, it's it's us. Um, but I think what it boils down to the simple, um, the simple kind of uh, equation of who you knowing somebody or knowing a group of people is great, but if they don't know you, it doesn't matter. That's right. So That's right. you know, to your and I know when when you and I were speaking um, in preparation for today's call, Adam, um, last week you were talking about how you had a, you know, you had your you had your talent pool, you had the people that you'd reached out to and you know made a connection with in some way, shape, or form, um, and the consistency of marketing bits of information or engagement out to them about you know projects you might have won or things that are coming up or you know some events that you might have had, um, and just to kind of build that build that familiarity and I thought that was a really you know I think it's, it's something that we all know we probably should be doing and we probably do to differing degrees and extents but um you know when we we're talking last week you really you really seem to have a a real kind of structure and a, and a, and a process around that that I thought would be really really worth sharing with um sharing with, with the audience today yeah and it's I mean Pepsi and Coke still advertise everybody knows their names um, you know, I don't think there's anyone in the world that doesn't know what Coke and Pepsi is. Um, and yet they both still advertise. And I know that there was something which came up a while ago that one of them, I can't remember which one it was, but one of them stopped advertising because they had a huge, like billions of dollars of spends, ridiculous over the over a five-year period. And in that time, they decided, look, if we just save one month's worth of advertising, we could potentially save all this money and, you know, it might be a long-term saving and their sales dropped by three or 4%, which was about um, 50 times what they were actually would have earned from that. So they went, Oh, we can't stop advertising. You've always got to have your brand out there in people's faces and in the right way. You know, um, you know, they don't, Pepsi and Coke don't need to spend all these millions of dollars getting, well, Back in the day, I remember one of I think it was Pepsi got Michael Jackson on their on their adverts and things. Oh, yeah. Maybe it wasn't the best idea in the end, but um, but you know he <laughs> was. Time hasn't reflected well on that decision, has it? No, um, <laughs> but you know that's the kind of stuff you you need to make sure that your brand is represented in the right way. First of all, um, which maybe that was a poor decision looking back, but at the time was a very good decision. Your brand's represented in the right way and in the right relevance for that audience. You know, and and that's why I say so. That that's why, I say, and you need to. And I think Matt mentioned it before around the whole long term focus, and it's trying to get away from that reactive and get into that long term focus with the candidate pools, because it's you don't every time when you get a new role in and you have to start a new LinkedIn search or go back to those people again and say, hey, you know, we're starting again, we're starting again, kind of thing. It's just it's a lot of work, like reaching out on LinkedIn and and doing that side of it. I mean, if advertising works and lovely, but. I think the days of advertising working are, are long gone, really. Um, I think about 17 or 18% of our candidates now come from Seek. Um, so it's it's a really low percentage from an advertising perspective anyway. Um, so, you know, the long-term focus is really, really important by having those marketing messages and having that long-term um, ability to be able to say, hey, this is my brand and this is what it's all about. You know, this is why it's important to you. Um, and that's the kind of stuff that you need to do over a period of time because – I think I also mentioned in that previous conversation we had is that probably only 
20%, like 20% is probably a normal sort of turnover. So 20% of people are probably looking at any one time. So realistically, if you've got a data, you know, if you've got a talent pool of, of 10 people, for argument's sake, only two of them are looking right now. So if you need three roles filled, your talent pool's only got two of them. You still need to go out and find one more. But, you know, you, you need to continue to build and continue to have them saying, oh, yeah, one day I'd like to work there. They do some really good things. And when they get that call, and I might be getting a bit excited here, they're going, oh, wow, that's awesome. I've been waiting for your call. Like I said, I might, I might be getting a little bit excited by saying that. But at least they understand what your brand is and they know what it is and that kind of stuff. What's what's the the Ozpost, um view on that? Well, you're, you're within your team or your division there, Matt. Yeah, it's it's a really interesting point, Adam, and I totally agree. Like the brand is is critical, and that's before you know we've listened to the other podcasts about EVP and the, and the importance of that, and it, it does kind of come back to that. Pete, we we are we are lucky or unlucky at Australia Post, um, depending on your own personal experience with the brand. Um, everyone knows who we are and what we do to an extent. They know that we deliver mail, we deliver parcels, we've got, we do passports, we've got financial services and insurance products and that kind of thing. Everyone knows that at Australia because every candidate is a customer, every customer is a candidate um, as well for us. What people don't necessarily know is is the, the really cool stuff from a technology perspective that's going on in the background. So it's bringing that to the forefront of people's knowledge, whether it's through social media, whether it's through, I don't know, having more in-person events and stuff where we're talking about what we're doing. So that's been a real focus for us over the last, well, since COVID. Like, I, I don't know about you guys, but I've really felt that EVP has just been blown out of the water as far as importance goes throughout this COVID period where people actually do have the time to sit on social media and look through LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, whatever, you, whatever your poison is, um, and see what people are doing um, what a day in the life looks like. And that's been a really important thing for us to start to do. Um, hopefully you've seen some of the social media that's out there about Australia Post tech teams and what a day in the life looks like. Um, I guess the other challenges for us as well is that every other you know brand that's hiring the same kind of caliber of candidate that we are, they're doing it and they're doing it well. Um, so they're, you know, those, those, there's those companies and payments, there are the Silicon Valley startups, the ones in Sydney uh, as well that are that are out there, they're spruiking what they're doing. Um, they've got the the rich media content as well, the videos and stuff like that about all the cool stuff that their devs are building. Um, it's been so important for us to get that out there as well, so that people can go, oh, cool, I didn't realize Australia Post had the highest rated post app in the world, um, or anything like that. So, nor, nor did I until just that second. Then there you go. Yeah, there's a fun <laughs> fact. If you take anything away from this uh, this podcast, that's that's the one. <laughs> So, interesting. Yeah, good opportunity for you know. There will there will be lots of really cool technology projects and you know digital projects. And we spoke. You know, you mentioned a bit about some you know artificial intelligence AI stuff that you're working on. A lot of that will be known about internally and not necessarily externally. I suppose you've got a bit of a platform platform now to 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 spruik some of that. What's 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 kind of the what's what's the 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 coolest tech project that you 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 want you're able to tell people about going on. Uh, 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 I suppose at the moment. Yeah, sure. I mean, I'll, I'll have to um, I'll have to get back to you and check with legal and risk first. Um, of course, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, there's some really interesting things that we're doing with AI. Um, I think data has become just insanely important for Australia Post, um, particularly the amount of data points that we generate. It's over a billion a day, um, and that's from parcel sorters, that's from point of sale systems, whatever it may be, and it comes in in weird, wacky, funky, strange ways, um, which is really cool. So. We've uh, we've got a group called Data Labs, and they're responsible for helping helping Australia Post become AI enabled. 
um, which is going to just do awesome things for the organisation. So I'm really keen to see where that takes us. Um, and then, of course, there's there's the other cool stuff that the rest of our, our group are doing, um, both in, in our technology and our, our product engineering groups as well. Um, I, I mentioned it already, but the app, that is that is our flagship, if you will. Um, we are really just trying to change up how we're using technology at the moment. We're trying to build our team so that they've got pathways. That's probably the most important thing that we're doing. So if you come in as a, as a software engineer, you know what you need to do to get to senior software engineer. You know what you need to do to go down more of a solution lead pathway. You know what you need to do to become more of a technical lead. You know what you need to do to become an engineering manager. So we're really building out the career frameworks from that perspective, which has been really cool to watch. Um, and it's a big part of it, our, our EVP as well. Um, people will come to, to Australia Post to work on cool stuff, but also they'll come so that there is that level of progression there for them. Yeah, I think I think that's that's incredibly important. The whole, um, you know, being able to give people a um, a clear idea of what what the future could look like for them, rather than, you know, we as I said before, you know, we're all very. Um, it's very easy to get stuck in the immediacy of we've got this project that needs to be delivered with these skills to to build this thing. Um, and you know, when you look at um, the average tenure, and we just if we just take technology and you know software engineering and related, you know. When, I, mean, I think the average is under two years now, two-year tenure, um, which, mm. you know, that's just, you know, 10 or, 10 or 15 years ago, that would have been like, that would have been a, 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 a we'd have called that person a job a job, job hopper, right? Um, mm-hmm. But now it's that it's how it is. So, you know, to be able to give people that who are coming into the, coming into your business um, an opportunity to say, well, look, this is this is where you can go. This is what it looks like. These are the the, the milestones, the timelines, the you know yeah. the path and stuff like that. I think the, the that's, that's a massive thing. thing right? people, that's what people are looking for. It's in in their career. Well, lots of people are not everybody, but lots of people are looking for that you know opportunity to develop, develop and further their career and you know being able to give them the the, the, the visibility of that could be that yeah. difference that that makes them accept your offer over the other six or seven they might have on the table at that time. For sure. I mean, that's the interesting thing about tenure. It doesn't necessarily take into account the amount of jobs that the person has had within the organization. So yeah, sure. Someone might be coming in and say, we want, I want to be an engineer, but they're not saying they want to be an engineer for two years. They're saying they might want to be an engineer, but they also want to become a tech lead. Um, so being able to provide that as an opportunity um, is, is critical. And I'd love to see tenure just, you know, really climb at Australia Post for our technical skill sets because we've been able to give them that chance to, to move up up the rung, if you will, climb that corporate ladder. Go on then. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm presuming, I, I gave I gave uh, I gave Matt the opportunity to to uh, to, to pitch uh, pitch his projects. What's uh, do you want an opportunity to talk talk about some of the some of the cool things you're doing at, at, at Brennan right now and how you you know perhaps engage some more some more candidates uh, candidate interest or talent interest. Yeah. Well, actually, there's a lot going on. So we're uh, we're on an enormous growth path at the moment. So um, we've just uh, you may have seen in the news that um, you know we've been we've announced that we've uh, we've purchased a uh, one of the other large Australian um, tech companies. So we're now going to be probably number two or three um, in Australia for Australian owned. Um, so large IT services business. So, you know, and we've really transformed ourselves in the last three or four years from being just a managed service provider to become now a tech services. So we've got our business applications and we've got um, a lot of other arms in there that um, we'd never used to have, you know, and we, we you know, Brennan won managed service provider of the year for 10 years in a row, um, which is an, an enormous accomplishment. But, you know, we've really transformed from just being a managed service provider through to being a, a true 
IT services provider now, um, and we're and with that we're growing and getting some really large brands on, um, you know, on on our books, um, and some really exciting projects come with those larger brands. So, yeah, it's it's a it's a really exciting time to jump on board because of all the growth, which means opportunity. Um, you know, we've grown from you know I started five years ago and we're about three fifty people, and we're now about six fifty people. Um, with this acquisition, we'll be close to eleven hundred. Um, you know, it's it's we're really growing quite quite quickly um, and there's been a lot of organic growth in that obviously to get you know to almost double in staff before we even made this acquisition so yeah it's a, it's a really exciting time to jump on board to be honest because there's so much going on um, and the amount of opportunity that comes with that and now the breadth of technology that we actually work within doesn't matter what your career wants to be within the IT space there's going to be something for you so it's a really exciting time to get on board um, the other side of it I suppose and just to sort of go back to the um, the engagement of people is like career development and and training and all those kinds of things are all really important but I think it's a little bit more than that now and especially with the work from home stuff you know um, you know people are now you know there's a lot more remote working you know, especially in the tech side of things you know, there's a lot more re- remote work and, and flexible work um, and I think that you really need to engage people on a different level and you know a few years ago we started a what we call our social hub um, and basically it's like little mini social groups um, that all talk about so that for example I love my fishing there's a fishing group and we all talk about our fishing we, we post up fishing photos so they're getting involved on a social level as well so you're not just leaving a, a company and a, and a business and a job you're also leaving a social group that that regularly talk so there's a cycling group and there's a you know there's a a knitting group and a jigsaw puzzle group and a you know a netflix group um which gets out of control um so you know there's all these groups where you know we've created these little groups where people from all parts of the business will join and you never realize that that person loves that and and, you know it's it's, uh, likewise another fisherman for example um never had any idea that that was the case but now you're networking with people through within the business and you're creating those networks and a social network and like a social club's fine and we do have a social club as well but this just gives that extra element of actually of tie in and buy into the business because you know if you're just sitting at home it doesn't matter what company you're working for in in some respect because you're at home and you could be doing this job for any business um in some roles, not every role, but you know, in some roles, you could just be doing it for any business. But to get that tie-in and to keep that culture, you need to keep, you know, first of all, you do need that interaction. But on a social level, it's a whole different level again. So um, that you're doing it, and so and when you go back to the pipelining of how it ties back in, when you start talking about pipelining, you know, we can reach out to somebody and say and see that they like cycling, and say, hey, how are you going? I noticed that you've got um, cycling as one of your interests. Did you know that? Um, you know, we've actually got a, a Sydney to Wollongong bike ride on the weekend that the guys have organised through the social club. Um, you know, we have a social um, we have a social group that focuses specifically on cycling, and you're interacting, and now you're engaging them on a whole different level. It's not just about their career. It's not just about their, um, you know, about their learning opportunities or the money or anything. Else. I mean, the money's always there, but you know, there's there's all those things are there. But now it's also engaging them on a different level. So you know, having that that ability to be able to engage people and have like-minded people that they can then socialize with within the business and know that there's like-minded people it's a whole different level of, of engagement and i guess that that probably ties back into to what you're talking about previously adam as far as if you are a budding recruiter listening to this go and do a marketing course you know it's because that is the importance of ta in the end it's the ability to sell what the organization is doing what the company is doing and not just the products and the projects that you're working on but mm. the stuff under the hood that you can have a look at um so that's that's really cool that you guys can can do that 
think, and I think that also talks potentially to the you know I think one one of the things that's that's really under not undervalued but perhaps under under un, underdone or under underemployed is that referral network right good people mm-hmm. good people you know um and so you know if you let's say you'll take your cycling group for example you've got you know, 30 people in the cycling group at brennan well they've got their that they're the, the people that they they work with they've also they're probably members of two or three other cycling groups outside of work where they can talk about that common um you know common interest with people who don't work at brennan but share that interest and and the the more they're engaged in what they're doing the more they can you know they can be an extension of that of that engagement that marketing um just by just just by virtue of being you know um having that interest recognized and 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 um you know celebrated within the business that's the thing you're going to talk about when you go cycling with your your mates at the weekend right if some yeah, of them right. some of them work in technology then you go yeah you got you got you got half a chance right well um, hopefully hopefully each time one of the brennan cyclists pass one of the other cyclist groups they're like are you a software engineer that would like to come and work at brennan like that's i guess <laughs> where you need to get to that's a new channel for proactive sourcing. Just maybe just get all the all the all the, the your current job ads um just like written on the back of their cycling jersey. Okay. So as they're as they're riding past. Some sort of like a moving billboard. You see those driving around, we could have them on the back of the bikes. Yeah. Yeah, I think that might slow them down. But um yeah, it's, no, no, there's no bad ideas, right? That's right. That's um, right. Apart from maybe sending your C V on a potato. But um, <laughs> the, um but look, but I don't know how long ago that was. We're still talking about that person, right? So you exactly. Know, so it must it's have made been. an impact. Yeah, made yeah. an impact. Yeah. Um cool. Okay. So um so we you know we've got we've got our we've got our pipeline, we've got um you know, a good uh you know, volume of, of people who know know of us, um, you know, some of the things that we're doing, some some outreach, some engagement. Um Matt, one of the things you wanted to talk about today was is was maintaining that um candidate engagement employer branding through the sourcing. Uh, process and 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 pipelining internal internal pipelining, um, and I think particularly one of the things that we, again you and I spoke about when when we were we were we were prepping for for the call today was, um, you know you outreach to lots of people. Not all of those people will end up being the right, yeah, you know, have the right skills or be the right, you know, won't be won't, a lot of these people won't be suitable for the business. So you've kind of you've dangled the carrot and then you you kind of need to take it away at some point as well, and the whole. You know, there's there's potential, um, you know, rep, you know, repercussions on 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 brand and employer brand and and candidate experience through that. Um, there's something you would, you know, you, you particularly kind of passionate, knowledgeable about. What's what? Are, what are your what's what's your what's your view on how best to to navigate that minefield? Yeah, it's I mean, it's just become so much more important now, hasn't it? And and the the role of a of a recruiter is a lot of it is to proactively source. And, and to us, Australia Post, proactively source means, you know, one of two things. It's either, yes, sourcing, similar to what you were saying, Adam, around workforce planning, like that is certainly proactive, but also it's it's the ability to reach out. It's not just putting up a job ad um, and hoping that you get the right candidate to apply, because that's just not a reality um, that we're seeing in this market. And I'm sure everyone else is seeing it at the moment as well. Um, so we, we reflect then and, and we look at um, how we're reaching out to people and, and whether it's through bulk LinkedIn in mails or whatever it may be. Um, when we talk to these people, we are approaching them and saying, we think you are good for this job as the recruiter. That is that is our impression of, of your background. 
So then the, the difficulty, of course, is maintaining that candidate experience, which is, you know, at, at the forefront of our minds um, throughout that process, particularly when this person, you know, they'll they'll go away. They're not necessarily looking, so they don't have a CV ready to send to you straight away. So they're going to go and work on their CV. They're going to spend a couple of hours on that. Then they're, they're going to probably do their own research on the company, another couple of hours on that, and then they're going to send you through a CV and go, cool, great, let's get an interview happening. I'm ready to accept an offer. Um, and then for you to come back and say, well, actually, sorry, I, I sent the CV to the hiring manager, but the hiring manager doesn't want to progress, which is, you know, some I guess part of the awkward stages of recruitment when you've reached out to this person and said, hey, come and have a come and have a try at this one. Um, and then you have to turn around and say, yeah, sorry, we're not going to actually give you a chance to even interview. So how do you maintain that experience, the candidate experience through that process, which I think is really difficult? Um, and, you know, I've, I've, I've grown up with believing that honesty is the best policy and, and that's probably the best way to go, I feel, um, in these certain circumstances. Um, so it starts with that messaging at the very beginning, um, talking about, hey, look, you know, I'm, I'm reaching out because I think you're you're potentially a good fit. Um, I want to send over a, send your CV over to the hiring manager and see if, you know, they think that you're a good fit as well. From there, we can talk about next steps. So setting it up from the very beginning to make sure that this person goes, oh, yeah, cool. It's it's like applying to a job. That's that's the reality of it. Um, I guess the the benefit of that is, is is that we will be able to tee up a phone call with these people straight away. So we're able to then sell the EVP and the opportunity and and everything else as well. And yes, sure, you want to get them excited about the opportunity, but it's finding that balance between getting them excited about the opportunity, but then not you know it being soul crushing when you say sorry, you're, you're unsuccessful. Um, so. Keen to hear from from the experts on on this call as well about you know what ideas or what processes that they follow. But for us, I guess LinkedIn mails they're they're certainly useful. Phone calls I feel are the best way to do everything from a recruitment process perspective um, because it does add that personal touch to it. Um, but you know, can you call every single candidate that you've uh, you've reached out to proactively? I don't know. I think I think it comes down to. Um, setting a, a realistic level of expectation. Um, you know, I don't think people mind. Um, yeah, they, it's, it's disappointing in any in any you know walk of life to or any situation to be to be told you're not you're not right or you're not you know, not good enough or you know not not a good fit. But I think if the expectation is 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 set accurately from the outset and that there's quantifiable um, feedback and you know justification as to why. Um, you know, communication of that, then I think most, won't say all, but you know, the vast majority of people will understand that and 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 will and will respect it, and you know, maybe disappointed, but won't let it, um, you know, blacklist that that, that company um, forever. And I mean, you know, it, 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 as an example, you know, when we talked a lot about out outreaching to people from from LinkedIn, right? So through LinkedIn, and the messages that you know you 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 see these of you would be perfect for our business or you'd be perfect for this role. I've got a role that's absolutely perfect for you based mm -hmm. on what, you know, five or five to 10 lines of, 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 of what their career has been. And you, and, and someone decided that that's perfect. Now I imagine that the vast majority of candidates kind of see that as, you know, take it with a pinch of salt and say, okay, well, look, yeah, perfect. You're right. You know, overselling it, but it just, it sets, mm -hmm. the, it sets the expectation at, at, at you know, at, at the wrong level. Right, because you're going from you know outreach number one is you're perfect. Conversation number four is 
thanks but no thanks right and there's just there's just yeah. there's, such, there's such a disparity between between the between those between that messaging um that i think you know it's a much better and, and probably much more um much better received from from Canada say hey look we've got some opportunities right now looking at your profile since you worked at some interesting companies we'll be keen to have a chat with you about some opportunities that may fit right now all right it's not quite as it's not quite as in your you know um direct yeah you're perfect we love you um but it's 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 being it's being um uh, genuine Right. There's a there's a there's a there's a there's a, a, a level of um, kind of professionalism and um, and and integrity to it. Where it's like, look, I don't know that you're. I want to say you're perfect for the role, but I really like to speak to you because you've worked you've worked on, on some cool and interesting stuff. Um, you know. So um, I think yeah, setting expectations right from the start, but then at every stage throughout um, is really important. And I think people um, I think people value that and 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 see benefit in it because it just it humanizes it. Um, you know, it makes it, it it makes it more um, yeah, more 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 engaging, and and that's and that's ultimately what what it's about, right? We can identify the people, um, you know, we can we can, we can attract to them if we can't engage them, and they're actually going to end up working for our businesses, right? That's 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 my view on it. Adam, what your thoughts? Matt, yeah, I think Matt said before Matt touched on something before, which is really really crucial, and that is that you need to level the playoff playing fields a little bit. So you want them to buy into the opportunity as well. So I think that the the part that's, for two reasons, in fact, the very first recruitment role I had back in, that doesn't matter, it's a long time ago, um, <laughs> 98, uh, but I, I was told that you point people towards the job advert to do two things. One is that it's then taking them away from the whole, um, hey, haven't we got a great deal for you and here's a set of steak knives to then go to, well, they're actually having a look and saying, actually, yeah, that does look like something I want to do. And then they're applying. So it takes some of, one, it takes some of the inflationary aspect out of it. So people don't say, hang on, well, if you want me, you're going to have to pay another 40 grand um, because they're then actively coming through and saying, actually, yeah, that does look like the right opportunity. Um, but the only way you can do that is to build the value in the first place. So, you know, and things have changed since my way back in the days there, and that is that you, they need to see the value and they need to understand why they should be even going and having a look at that. Um, so there is there is definitely, <clears throat> excuse me, some logic in in what Matt's saying is that you need to make sure that you're, you're, you're getting them buying into the opportunity as well so that they're excited about it too. But the, like I said before around that soft approach is that if you go in a little bit softer um, and you're having that future pipelining mentality is that it's not about this role right now. And there's there's two different conversations. One is we've got a role right now. And one is about, hey, you look like the type of person that's come from the right type of background that we've seen many people be successful in the in the past. We'd love to we'd love to talk to you in a little bit more detail about future opportunities compared to, hey, we've got this job now that we think you um, look like you'd be right. But again, it's sort of saying that people with that type of background would be um, have been successful in the past doesn't mean that they're going to be, but it just means it's people like that have been, and then they've also grown their careers, or they've done whatever it happens to be, whatever your messaging is around that particular opportunity. So, I think there's the two the two parts to it. It's not just around that there's a one size fits all kind of thing. Um, and I think the whole steak knives approach um, of going, hey, haven't we got this great um, opportunity? Creates the the situation where you do have those awkward conversations because all of a sudden you've promised the world, mm. and then they get knocked out. So. And yeah, the whole kind of well, you you came to me, so exactly, you know, yeah, that's right. <laughs> you had something for me, and this is this is the price. And for now, it. now, what do yeah. you mean? Yeah, that's yeah, right. yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
And I guess we, we talk about the, the criticality of language in, in job ads, but it's it's just as important. And clearly it's, it, well, obviously from yourself, Liam and, and Adam, um, it's critical in, in the way that you reach out as well, um, whether it is through, you know, LinkedIn emails or whatever it may be. Um, and look, it might be getting a little bit philosophical now, but like, and I'm, I'm sure I'm not the, the first person to think this, but recruitment is a lot like dating. Um, and I'm particularly, gonna, particularly for, for my generation on, on Tinder or Bumble or the likes where, you know, you're, you're messaging someone on one of these apps, but it's not until third, fourth, fifth date that you work out that this is the person for you. So it's, it's the same kind of setup. And throughout that process, you're learning more about this person or the job in this instance. Um, and you're making that decision based on the information that you're given through that. So, yeah, I think it's, it's definitely important that that very first step is, is the right message. Yeah. I think so that, that we talk about the, the whole um, recruitment being like dating thing um, at evolution all the time, that it's, it's, it is exactly the same, even to the point, um, you know, obviously we, we, um, we have to, you know, handle a lot of, a lot of resignations and counter offers things like that without, without candidates, you know, accepting roles. You know, there's very few people that are on the market not working at the moment. So you say a high nineties um, percent of people that are accepting a job need to resign from their last one. Um, and you know, I guess we're desensitized to that sort of thing. So we see it, it happens every day. It's just part of our job, you know, yeah. but to the person handing their notice in uh, or giving notice to their employer, they're effectively telling someone they don't, they don't love them anymore. Yeah, it's, right. a no, no sure. that. it's a breakup. It's a breakup. I don't love you anymore. Yeah. Um, and understanding how that person is going to respond to being told they're not loved anymore. That person doesn't love them anymore, and we're leaving. And I'm not just leaving you; I'm going to somebody else. Yeah. You know? And the, the, the um, counter the counter offer is just a, oh, please don't leave me. I'll do this for you. Yeah, yeah, exactly, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, yeah. No, and and, and what do we know about counter offers? What is that made up stat? Well, I don't know. What the, I think the last percentage I saw was eighty eight. Um, I'll buy that. Yeah, um, sounds about right. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, depend on what what point I'm trying to prove. I'll, that 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 goes up or down. Um, yeah. But um, oh, I would love to know if there was actually an, an accurate stat on that somewhere in the somewhere in the world, rather than just you know people making up a number that sounded high for for the for for, for, the, for their own for their own benefits. But anyway, but yeah, you know, it, it's it's a very it's it, it's an emotional emotive subject that we deal with whether we're talking about you know hiring people people leaving changing jobs you know it's it's very very much like dating um so yeah definitely not the first was first to say that matt and i could not agree more uh <laughs> we talk, talk about it all the time um cool okay well look, i think look we've we, we've we've covered a lot there and i think um there's um you know I, i've certainly taken some uh some insights from that and a, a couple of things that i know that we can you know we can borrow from borrow from from brennan and, and Ospost and adam and matt um to you know to be to be better at our jobs and you know make make things a, a, a bit um a bit more um streamlined a bit more effective that's great thanks for that there was one one thing i wanted to, i did want to ask ask you both actually just as a um you know to, to wrap up We've spoken a lot today, right? Let's 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 assume that any person, any recruiter, talent acquisition person, whatever, we all use LinkedIn, right? We all use LinkedIn. We're using mails, messaging, reaching out to people, right? That's how we all connected on LinkedIn, right? So we all use LinkedIn, and pretty much our entire industry does as well. And let's say that the majority of people also use Seek and and have, you know or, or, or you know advertise or, or less so. I'm less so talking about I'm less talking about advertising, more about the candidate database. Um, so if we put Leak, uh, leak, seek, and LinkedIn on a just on the shelf for the time being. 
what other tools um, are you or have you used or are you using that are interesting are, are you know seeing some you're seeing some, some some results from in terms of I'm talking about candidate identification now I'm talking about you know finding finding candidates that might be suitable for your roles what 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 tips have you got for for, for me and the rest of the audience about um, you know some of these other tools that are out there that that might might compete with with LinkedIn one day <laughs> uh it's not a specific tool and it's not groundbreaking and it's probably the the oldest way of recruiting ever. It's it's referrals. Um, 100%. It's, it is time tested. It's still here. It still works. Um, it's, yeah, number one for us, it's about 26% or so of our hires come through referrals um, because birds of a feather flock together, um, a wise man once said to me. So we want those people in the organisation, not necessarily for, for culture fit, but more so for culture add as well. Um, that's that's a criticality for us. Um, so we will, when we are in the, the job brief, and this is more, again, the, the reactive recruitment aspect of it, we will ask, do you know, who do you know, who's in your network? And again, it's it's unfortunately using LinkedIn again, but going through that person's connections with the job title and saying, cool, you are looking for a software engineer, here are 10 of them that you know, any of them you reckon would be a good fit for this role. Um, and and that, that's that been working pretty well for us. Obviously, room for, for it to be better, of course. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been working pretty well. 100%. Couldn't agree more. And you hit people when they're first joining when they're in their honeymoon yeah. period, they're super excited, yeah. you know, um, you know, that that's the best time to, to get people, you know, so within your first, you know, as part of your induction or part of your onboarding or whatever you want to call it, um, that's when you really need to be getting people um, that are current employees and a hundred percent when you're talking to candidates, if they're not the right person, they may know somebody who is, you know, because often you'll reach out and they'll be too senior for a role, but they'll know somebody um, and yeah. people are, are willing to help. Um, in a majority of cases, you know, not everyone will refer somebody, but people will always be willing to help. So, look, from that side of things, look, it's it's it is the number one um, across the board that um, you can't take your eye off and you can't take for granted. And if it starts to slip below like sort of twenty five percent of what you're doing, I think you probably need to have a focus on it um, and you need to rebuild it from an internal perspective um, because it's it's crucial. Um, the other thing that one other little trick that we've done is use references. So people provide references, and so we've got a you know a whole list of everybody's referees. So if we ever need a leader in a space, that's where we go to. Um, so people always provide references, and they are more often than not a manager. Mm -hmm. You've got a name. You look them up on LinkedIn. You say, yes, look, that person came from that environment. You know what type of tech environment or you know what type of um, culture that person bought into the business. So that would probably be led by the leader. So you know that they're a reason that they should be a reasonable person to speak to. Um, that's another way that we've found people like that. But, but across the board, yeah, like I said, if you're, if 25% of your hires aren't coming from referrals, you probably need to look at your referral um, market, like your internal marketing of your referral process um, or how it's structured. Um, it's either going to be too difficult to use and so people aren't doing it um, or you're not paying people on time. Um, that's a big one. People shouldn't have to remind you to give them money. Um, that's always a, a big one. Um, or, um, or, or the way that it's... Um, or maybe the reward isn't great enough for whatever reason. Um, but I think it's more around that, look, even $500 is better than nothing. Um, you know, but if you do promotions and that kind of thing and make sure that people know about it um, and people actually like working there, then you're going to get a good result out of it. And people don't – well, some people do, but most people don't refer people that are going to make them look bad. 
they'll only refer that's, good people. That's, yeah, that, that's, yeah. that's, the, that's the, 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 the jewel in the crown of the referral, I think. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, that um, knowing that they're good, knowing that they're technically capable is is one thing. Assuming we're talking about tech roles, which we, we, we largely have been, um, but also that they're a good person to work with. Yeah. You know, we've all worked with, uh, I'm sure, you know, people who are brilliant at the job, but not great to work with, <laughs> you know, hang around with. Very diplomatic. Be in the same space as 40 plus hours a week. Um, you know, so you're, all, you're almost, you get a, you know, a soft tick in both those boxes every time you get a referral, right? Unless the person who's making the referral is one of those problematic people who's, you know, <laughs> um, uh, you know, a, a, a talented um, uh you know, tons of dickheads, we say. Um, I was uh, going to say, and I thought, now I'll just let you say. <laughs> <it>. <laughs> um, so, um, but yeah, so that's that, 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 that's great. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Um, gents, thanks very much for your for your time today. As you know, we're, we're all incredibly busy. Everyone's incredibly busy these days, particularly in the TA and the recruitment space. Particularly again in the in, in the tech TA and recruitment space. So, do really appreciate your um, your insights and your and and and, and the chat today. Um, some really good stuff to come out of that. I've certainly got some. Um, so some some things that I can I, I can take away and and, and implement um, immediately. Hopefully you've, you've you've you know we've we've shared those around around the group as well. Um, so yeah, thanks very much for your time. Really appreciate that. Great chat and um, yeah, let's catch up soon. Thanks very much. Thank you.